Good morning and welcome to The Simple Plate here on 103.3 KUMD. Well, the folks at ACO will be cooking up something marvelous, but the first thing they're doing is celebrating a transition in their rooftop garden. Hope Flanagan is the community outreach and cultural teacher for Dream of Wild Health. She will be offering a community garden blessing today with the indigenous and BIPOC youth that are celebrating the Together We Grow program and uh, a special garden blessing being offered for their community garden. Hope Flanagan joins us on the phone this morning. Good morning, Hope. How are you? Oh, good morning. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I am thrilled about the work that ACO is doing and I'm I've been just uh, um, quite honored to be working at the Dream of Wild Health Farm. I've been there. This is my 13th summer working with the Dream of Wild Health Farm. Wow. So it must be, obviously, it is a labor of love for you. Talk about the, a little bit about the importance of the, the, the rooftop garden was popular enough, but the, the, the garden's moving. It has a little bit more space. And let's talk about the importance of that garden uh, and any garden, I guess, to a community and maybe in particular to the youth that are going to be taking such good care of it. Sure. Um, we've, we were guided by a dream of our founder, Sally Auger, uh, years ago when she noticed that when uh, people in, in the programs she started um, there, there were two uh, healing centers that she started for people, one for uh, Native men who were getting out of prison and for Native women who were needing a place to stay from uh, domestic abuse situations. And she noticed that people really thrived when they got their hands in the soil and uh, reestablishing that connection with the earth and with food and as you know, you know, uh, some of our, our elders still maintain some of those old traditional food habits of, you know, eating from the land with the food gathered out in the woods. And we see that. We see that when that's established, that people maintain that level of health, a higher connection of healing for just not just the body, so decreases in levels of things like diabetes or food-related illnesses, but also that healing that comes along with the connection with, with the earth, with our traditional foods. So um, it's that kind of thing where you find that reconnection with old, old, that old belief system, too, where we know that we are part of this Mother Earth, you know, that we're not apart from her. So we see that some of the things that come with maybe poor diets or modern living habits can be reduced if we go back to that, working with the soil, going out and foraging, finding the foods that nurtured us in the first place. You know, I, w- I wonder a little bit about some of these these difficult situations that you're talking about. Obviously, our, our reliance on fast food, processed food, packaged food, and in particular over the last year, I'm sure, well, I know for me, comfort food, which is never anything really good for you, of course. It's, you know, what's the point if it isn't loaded with sugar and fat? What, what do you think it is about whether it's connection to 
relatives, to history, to culture, or just the physical labor of gardening that helps make us feel better? I believe it goes even deeper than that. You know, you hear it in the language. I'm so um, fortunate that um, uh, I've been able to... I worked in the Ojibwe um, immersion classroom, and you hear it all the time, the reminder that all the living things that we work with are just as alive as we are. The plants, the animals, things that we put in our body are living are living beings, and they nurture our life. So, you know, when, you, when you're talking in the language, you hear it over and over again that we honor them and we thank them. So before we even gather anything, we put down a thank you offering, like a tobacco offering, to say thank you. So we're kind of charging that food up to take care of our spirits, but also thanking it for being here and being part of our our, how would you say, what well, you would say in Ojibwe, you would say, uh, and you would say, we honor our fellow living beings for this good life. What is it about, do you think, about a gratitude practice? Because we hear a lot about this, too. We hear, and, and I think for uh, many people who are not of that Ojibwe spiritual tradition, we have to be reminded and prodded uh, to count our blessings, to think about about gratitude. But so many uh, efforts that that are being made to help people feel better talk about a gratitude practice. Obviously, Ojibwe people have been practicing that kind of gratitude for a long time. What do you think it does for us? Well, we know that it lifts our spirits up. And we know we can see with all the challenges that we've had in this last year that it's been hard on people. And when we're reminded uh, of that connection, that we're all connected, that we're fellow living beings on this earth, and that there is spiritual connection for all of us, not, not just the humans, but for all of us, the insects, or the, the animals, the plants, that it can lift us up because we we get out of that sense of we're the only important ones. We start seeing that, gee, we have breath because of the plants or we have food because of the pollinators. I mean, it's just that kind of getting out of a sense of ego that we get kind of right-sized. And we get that reminder that that there is something greater than we are. I am writing that down. We get right-sized. That's something I want to remember. Because every so often I know I'm either getting too small or too big, and sometimes yeah. <laughs> it's a good idea. I love the idea of getting right-sized. There are a lot of other concepts, phrases that we've heard about. We've talked about uh, indigenous food sovereignty. We've talked about food security uh, for folks. What can this garden or even just watching folks get interested and excited about the garden and saying, hey, I've got a piece of uh, land in my backyard I'm not using. I think I would like a garden, too. How can a garden contribute to helping folks um, achieve those goals? Gee, there's so many ways. Um, I'll go back to the beginning of Drew Wild Health. We started off with one farmer and a shovel and then uh Ernie Whiteman and I worked with the young people 
uh, to try to lift up that idea of, of connection to our food, of how we can heal our lives by working with our food and working with the earth. Um, now, this last year, we produced 8.25 tons of food that went back into the community, into the native community. So um, what we're doing is we're changing outlooks, too, because when we first started, it was a challenge sometimes <clears throat> to get young people to try the food. <clears throat> now we're connected with different native chefs, and the young ones go out in the field. They can <clears throat> see what we're growing. They're part of what we're growing, and then they can chef it up. So we work with Sean Sherman. We work with different chefs, so native chefs, so that they see, oh, my gosh, this can be a total part of my life. This is a different way. Um, so we can in, invite the young ones to not only eat what they can see is growing out in the field, but the things of their ancestry. You know, I know that uh, nowadays you hear a lot about uh, epigenetics and things that go on into our DNA. So when we, when we eat the foods that we were connected to, it lifts us up. We remember it on some level is what I believe. What a, what a marvelous, marvelous idea. And, of course, young people are subject to the same um, fabulous or junk television shows depending on how you like to look at it. And, you know, so many of us are addicted to different cooking shows. But it makes them excited to try and experiment in the kitchen and cook a meal, perhaps, for the family. And this just gives them more and more tools. And, of course, being able to see Native chefs and watch them cooking, listen to the stories that they tell about the food has got to be just kind of fuel in the tank for kids who'd, who'd like to experiment, like to try a little bit. Right. It's even more than that. With our, We just had our first session of youth, and every single youth, young person that comes in, at the farm with our chorus kids and our garden warriors, every single one goes in the kitchen and works with the chef. So they might be breading walleye, or they might be uh, dicing um, onions or, you know, it's, it's a whole variety of activities so they get the hands-on experience and get to be proud of what they're doing. So maybe they haven't had a chance to do that before. And a lot of times there's foods they've never tried before. So now they're being introduced to something new that they'll, they'll get to carry with them as a memory. And, of course, any time you expose kids to a job or an experience that they haven't had before, you may accidentally stumble on the thing that is their passion, that becomes the thing they want to do with the rest of their lives. And, you know, wouldn't it be wonderful if uh, every Native community had a Sean Sherman you know, hanging around right. and, you know, well, maybe actually, running a nice little restaurant or, or cooking meals for folks. We're seeing more and more of that evolving in the Twin Cities. And I'm thinking, um, I'm so grateful that, that uh, people like Aiko, like Ivy and the work that she's done with Aiko is, is just doing phenomenal work up there where we're kind of doing uh, connections like we used to, like almost like a trade route. You know, where you go, oh, gee, if we can support them, look at the good work they're doing. And then we're reaching out. Ivy's done some work with reaching out to Native farmers at the different reservations, just like we do, to support, okay, people that are maybe, make, you know, making their own wild syrup or maybe they're making, uh, they're preparing rice or collecting June berries or whatever the activity is that they're doing. Or making cupcakes. Not that I'm obsessed with 
sweets well, or anything. But actually, yay. we we did have something <laughs> akin to a cupcake. But where we are at the farm, we don't allow white sugar or white flour because we really want to focus on health. As you know, you know a lot of the statistics are rough for Native folks and longevity. So we're trying to turn that around. Like, let's go back to our old foods. Let's go back to something like real maple sugar or real maple Well, you're going to need to be introduced by Ivy to the native cupcake bakers up here that use wild rice flour and maple sugar. There you go. And the thing I like best is, is the piles and piles of frosting. But I have never been a role model for anybody's eating habits, and I never will be. Uh, I like to talk about the different sorts of foods that are available, but certainly don't take any advice from me because me, I got a sweet tooth the size of my head. Hope, thank you so very, very much for joining us this morning. One final question. If there are so many gardeners up here and so many talented, talented gardeners, and they might say, gosh, this is a great program, you know, that ACO's got going. I wonder if I could volunteer, or I wonder if I could donate plants, or I wonder if there's anything I have to offer that might be useful. Is there a a way that they could reach out and connect and see if any of the things that they have to offer uh, might be just a perfect fit? Gosh, there's so many ways. I know at June Wild Health we keep a website. I'm sure... um, that ACO does as well. Uh, For us, we have volunteer Fridays where people can come out and we have different programs that come out, like gleaners that will glean and make sure that everything goes back. Um, We have people who come out and and work on uh, making sure that uh, everything is being produced in a good way, like making sure that the water's coming out, Um, you know, like we're doing the best we can to produce food the other thing is, is where I work, we, we have a pollinator meadow because, as you know, the pollinators are in trouble. So we need to encourage our native bees that are picking up on the work that the honeybees did at one point, but they're not thriving anymore. And we also see that um, we need to do the permaculture and the different kinds of planting to regenerate the soil back to where it was before it was tilled because we can see that... Uh, there's a real problem with soil degradation, so there's always work to be done. Those that have a lawn and have a space to garden, oh my gosh, you're so fortunate because that food is is so healthy and good. Um, we always look at where did the idea of a lawn come from in the first place. It was just kind of to show off that there was excess land. We're at a, plant, a point now where we need to respect that land, and if we can produce food there, share that food there's food insecurity issues now and certainly like re-recognizing that there are um, possibilities for food sovereignty of for native communities or other communities that are looking at that model model well we'll get some uh, we'll get some phone numbers and we'll get a little contact information up on our website when we post this story a little later this morning so it will be easy for folks to reach out and say hey I'd love to get involved is there a good place for me hope thanks again so much for being our guest this morning what a treat I want to say chibiguich to all your listeners that do respect those those precious pollinators and the plants and trees that give us the oxygen and the the gifts that they are constantly give us with food and with with life. So 
Thank you to you all. Thank you, Hope. Hope Flanagan this morning, our guest here on The Simple Plate, a regular feature of Northland Morning.